Welcome to the Money Mindset Podcast, where you will find the inspiration and motivation you need to manage your money better so you can stress less and live the life you want. This is Ashley with Budgets Made Easy and the Money Mindset Podcast. Today, we are talking with Mark from Vital Dollar, who is a full-time blogger since 2008. He lives in Pennsylvania with his wife and two kids, and we are going to talk today about transitioning from two incomes down to one, and also how to do that with an inconsistent income. So not only did he go from two incomes down to one, but as a full-time blogger, you know, your income is not always consistent and it comes in at different times throughout the month. So he talks about how he handles that and things that they did to transition from his wife working down to staying at home with the kids. And then at the end, he does have some tips on blogging and a free course to get started on blogging if you want to make some extra money or you know maybe even stay at home with your kids while blogging full time. You can check out his new blogging course at vitaldollar.com slash blog dash launch dash breakthrough and it is free and I will link to it in the show notes. I also do want to mention that to stay at home with your kids, especially on one income. You know, it's really important to pay off your debt. And I do have the free debt snowball bundle to help you get started. You can go to budgetsmadeeasy.com slash debt dash bundle. And let's get started with Mark's interview. All right. Thanks for being with us today, Mark. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to talk to you today about going from two incomes down to one because this is something that my family has struggled with as well. And it definitely takes changing your mindset around spending. Like it's 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 a major shift to go from two incomes to one. So I really um, want to talk to you about that and how you manage that with your family. Um, but before we dive in, can you just kind of give us a little bit of background about yourself and what you do? Sure. Uh, I live in Pennsylvania with my wife and our two kids. Our daughter is seven and our son is four. I've been self-employed as a blogger for the past 11 years. And um, so obviously that goes back to before we had kids. And before our kids were born, my wife worked for a large national bank. Um, the last few years of that, she worked from home. So we both worked from home. We worked across the hall from each other for a couple of years. And um, when we were planning on having kids, we talked a lot about, you know, whether she would work or stay at home. And we both kind of had a preference that she would be at home. Um, it wasn't like an, you know, an absolute necessity, but we thought it'd be nice if it was possible. And so when she got pregnant with our daughter, our first child, um, we kind of planned ahead and said, you know, let's give it a trial run basically um, to see if we can live just off of my income before, you know, rather than her going out and just quitting her job and then, realizing like, oh, this wasn't really a good decision. Mm -hmm. Um, because she did have a pretty good job. And, you know, if she if she quit her job and then had to go back a little while later, she probably wouldn't have been able to find as good a job as what she had. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to make sure that it was the right move before really pulling the trigger. And um so we started during the pregnancy basically just saving all of her income and, you know, just using my income for living ex living expenses. And and then she had, she had 12 weeks of paid maternity leave, and then she had another 12 weeks that she was able to take unpaid. So between the time during the pregnancy and those additional um, 24 weeks after our daughter was born, we had a full year basically to try it out. 
before she actually quit her job. So when her maternity leave was over, she put in her two weeks notice and um, she put in her notice before her maternity leave was over. And then she actually never, never went back. Um, so it gave us basically a year to get comfortable with it and make sure that it was, that it was possible and um, just kind of gave us a lot more comfort than, you know, just making a quick decision. That's great. I mean, it's, it's really important to kind of do that test run and, you know, kind of practice because it does take, you know, some changes to your spending and your budget and things like that to, um, you know, really get in the habit or mindset that you don't have like all this extra money, so to speak, uh, to spend like you normally do. So what are some of the things that you kind of changed as you were doing that year test run, like with your budget and your spending? Uh, we're both pretty similar when it comes to money. We're both more savers than spenders. So it wasn't real hard for us. Um, you know, we had been living on two incomes for the two of us. And, you know, the past few years, the last few years of that, as our incomes increased, it w we were pretty comfortable. So we didn't have to really pay that much attention to our finances because, mm -hmm. you know, we tend to be pretty good with our money anyway. So the biggest change was just that we had to um, be on top of things a little bit more and, mm -hmm. you know, pay attention and make sure that we were on the right track rather than just kind of, you know, being a little bit more loose. Um, but we did, you know, make a number of small changes, um, things like maybe going out to eat a little bit less. And we didn't go out that much to start with, but maybe it was like one meal a week that we didn't go out. Um, so maybe we went out twice a month or something after our daughter was born. Um, you know, so that wasn't a huge change, but it does add up to a significant mm -hmm. amount of money over the course of a month. Um, other little changes like um, getting rid of cable TV and switching to a discount wireless provider for our cell phones. So those types of things like, you know, they weren't huge changes, didn't make that much of an impact on our life, but in terms of the monthly recurring bills, it did, you know, add up to a little bit of a difference that, that gave us a little bit more of a buffer. And also um, one of the big changes was after we had a daughter, my wife started um, being more proactive with buying things secondhand, especially with like baby clothes and stuff that, you know, they outgrow so fast. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we did get a lot of things. We did get a lot of things like hand-me-downs from friends and family that had kids that had outgrown stuff um, that we got for free. But when we needed to buy stuff, you know, she would get a lot of things at yard sales, consignment shops, and that kind of, the last few years, it's kind of carried over into our own clothes and stuff as well. So, you know, it's just kind of a cumulative effect of a lot of smaller changes. Um, we didn't really have, you know, any, any real major changes or sacrifices that we had to make. It was just being more careful overall. Yeah, being more intentional um, with your spending and, and what you have. So did you find it... Um, difficult to not, you know, just go into that savings a little bit here and there, you know, you've got it there, or did you do anything to set it up so that you didn't, you know, just kind of chip away at that savings instead of, you know, leaving it there like you wanted to? Yeah, well, we did, like I mentioned, we did save that money, um, you know, during our trial run, her income. So we had it, we had that a lot of that we had set up kind of um, 
like she had an a savings account called baby fund or something like that. And it, we used that for, you know, buying furniture and stuff for the nursery. Um, you know, so it was kind of, some of it was like a one-time expense that it wasn't like, you know, chipping away every month. Um, but we really, we really didn't have to chip away at that savings too much after that because we're just making a few small changes. We were really able to, um, you know, to get our spending to where we needed to be that we weren't going backwards every month. That's great. So now you're a blogger and I know that that comes with like inconsistent income. So not only are you going from two incomes to one, but that one income is inconsistent. So how do you guys manage that? And, you know, with your budget or saving for, you know, retirement and things like that, like how are you managing that inconsistent income? I mean, that's been a big part of the challenge is, like you said, it's not just going to one income, but it's one income that we really don't know what it's going to be month to month or year to year. So the biggest things for us was, um, first of all, we kind of established our baseline spending, basically like what we need to get by. And that's not necessarily like the bare minimum, but basically just what we need for like a comfortable life that, Mm -hmm. you know, like our normal spending. Um, You know, if we if my income completely the bottom fell out and you know, we didn't have the money, we, we could cut it down a little bit more, but this is like basically like our comfort level um, without any, you know, without a lot of like luxuries and big vacations and all that kind of stuff. So we mm-hmm. know what we need to make, um, you know, to cover our basic expenses. And then we base our budget off of that. And um, we also make sure that that baseline amount is, lower than you know what my average income comes out to so obviously my income fluctuates but you know if you were to calculate the average monthly income our baseline spending is a good bit below that so basically we build in you know a little bit of a a buffer and although my income fluctuates our expenses really don't fluctuate Um, we try to keep a pretty even um, you know lifestyle and level of spending uh, if I have a good month, we don't go out and, you know, celebrate and spend a lot of money or, you know, buy something big. And, and when it comes down, we don't panic and, you know, cut everything we can. We try to stay pretty even. And my level of income really isn't reflected in the way we live um, month to month. So I think that's a big part of it is just avoiding like the wild swings. Whereas I think a lot of people, when you have a a good month or you have a lot of income and the the temptation is to go out and spend a little bit more, but, you know, being on one income, we really don't have that, that luxury because we know we need to save up when we have, when we have the opportunity, basically. Um, So in general, we kind of, you know, we live carefully and live below like my average income. Yeah, that's great. Um, Now, what would you, what piece of advice would you give somebody that are, that is wanting to go from like two incomes down to one, like what would be your number one thing that they need to do to prepare? The number one thing I, I think is kind of what we talked about earlier that we did is like to give it a trial run. I think, um, you know, in our case it worked like during my wife's pregnancy and during the maternity leave, it was kind of a natural time, but you could do a trial run at any time. Like say you have kids that are, you know, 10, 12 years old, you could pretend you're living on one income and just save the other, um, you know, before, before one person quits the job. So 
I think doing a, a, a trial run rather than just saying, you know what, we want to live on one income. So we're just going to go ahead and address our budget and go ahead and do it. I think it's really helpful if you have that trial run because some of the things like, you know, I was mentioning some of the smaller changes we made earlier, like we didn't make them all day one. It wasn't like, okay, we're going to, we're going to go down to one income. So we're going to get rid of cable. We're going to, um, spend less money on our cell phones. We're going to spend less money on clothes. We're going to spend less money on food. You kind of figure your stuff out slowly and kind of like one thing at a time. Like, you know, you kind of have to look at your budget and what can we cut and, you know, maybe you don't instantly go, you know, from a high budget to a low budget. It, you know, maybe it takes the course of six months or a year for you to find these different ways to, to cut costs. So I think having a little bit of time, you know, as a trial run, it gives you it gives you that buffer zone where you can say like, okay, we're not quite there right now. So maybe we're dipping into that savings a little bit, but we're going to, you know, keep progressing. And then when you do get to that point, you can go ahead and, and quit the job and go ahead and go down to one income. So that would be my biggest piece of advice. Yeah, that's great advice. Cause then, you know, you're having, you're taking the time to kind of prepare for it. So you're not just like jumping right, right into the deep end and you don't know how to swim. So it's so important to just kind of take those little baby steps in the right direction to get to your bigger goal. So I think that is great advice. Okay. So we talked a little bit before you came on here and I know we have spoken before about like uh, making money with blogging and things like that. Now, you told me that you didn't have like a crazy debt payoff story, but you know, you did um, pay off some debt and I do want to touch on that just a little bit so people can get kind of like the bigger picture um, of your situation and everything. Now, um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, paying off your mortgage and did you do that before your wife decided to stay home or did you do that after? We actually did that after. So we, we purchased the house in 2010. It's not the house we're currently living in, but the house that I'm talking about here, we purchased in 2010 and we made a decision when we purchased it, we were going to prioritize retirement savings and, um, and we weren't really going to prioritize paying off the mortgage early. So we had a 30 year mortgage. We just paid the basic minimum payment. We didn't, you know, we weren't really trying to pay it off early. And in 2013, so three years later, I sold a blog that, um, that I had been working on for, I think about six years. It was actually the first blog I ever started. So that had been my primary source of income for a while. And the house that we purchased, we purchased it for 230,000. We put 20% down. So I think that left the mortgage of somewhere around like 180,000 or something like that. Um, and yeah, so like I said, we, we made those payments for the regular payments for a few years. We took a little bit off and then I sold my blog. I sold that for $500,000 in 2013. So this was after my daughter was born. Um, so my wife had been, had, had quit her job not too long before that. And I got paid a lump sum up front. I got 80% of the money up front. We invested that towards retirement for the most part. We didn't do anything with our mortgage. And then, um, a year later, exactly a year later, as part of the contract of the sale, I got the final 20%. So I had a hundred thousand dollars coming. And at that point, I think we owed something like $160,000 or something like that still left on the house. So we kind of reevaluated and talked about, you know, we kind of feel like we've got a good start on our, our savings and everything. Um, 
now that my wife was no longer working and we were on one income and I just sold my business. So I, you know, I didn't really know what was going to happen in the future. Um, I was basically starting over. So we decided we would feel a lot more comfortable if we didn't have a mortgage payment. So um, we took a little bit out of our savings and paid off the mortgage. So we wound up paying it off in 2014. So it was four years after we bought the house. Um, and at that point then we were completely debt free. We didn't have any um, car loans or student loans or credit cards or anything else. And so being on one income and inconsistent income, and especially with me just starting over, it gave us a lot more comfort knowing that the mortgage was paid and we wouldn't have to have to worry about that if, if my income were to drop. Yeah, that's, that's a huge relief. And that's one of the reasons that I advocate for people to pay off their mortgage. And I know, um, that, you know, investing is still great too, but I love that you touched on, you know, kind of that safety net, you know, you're, you sold your business and everything, and that kind of gives you a safety net. You don't have to worry about your mortgage. So I am curious, just kind of like your perspective on things, um, with, so when you got the initial lump sum, um, kind of what did you think about then um, for investing versus paying off your mortgage then? Like what kind of things did you think about and consider when making that decision? Um, I mean, we just kind of basically had to weigh, you know, would we rather, I think our mortgage payment was something like, including taxes and everything. I, th I think it was around like $1,300 a month. And, you know, it was like, the $160,000, whatever it was we had left on the mortgage at that point, we just felt like, you know, that $1,300 a month is probably not, um, not as big of a deal as having that big lump sum to invest. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we just kind of felt like we could, and we had a, a fairly low interest rate. I don't remember exactly what it was because it was six years ago now, seven years ago. Um, yeah, rates were really low then. Yeah, it was. <laughs> they it were was like three percent. Pretty or low something. rate. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was three something, I think. So, um, it just felt like you know we probably would be better off in the long run if we invested it, and so that's what we did. We didn't really have plans of, of paying off the mortgage early, but you know, then with my wife leaving her job and everything, and um, we just decided once we had that you know, initial start for our retirement savings and investments, we felt like we would feel a lot more comfortable paying off the debt. Yeah, absolutely. So now that you are, um, you know, making money again, blogging and full-time income and all that kind of stuff, what are you doing now for, um, like saving and investing in retirement and stuff like that? Like, um, do you save like a certain percentage or do you just kind of, um, put, make it automatic and do like a certain amount or kind of what is your, um, how do I want to say it? How, <laughs> kind of what is your plan now going forward? You're debt free, you're, you have one income, and, but you still, you know, have stuff to plan for with your children and things like that. Yeah. So anything, whether it's saving, investing, spending, we really don't do much. It's a percentage base because with, with the inconsistency of my income, it's really hard to to go off of percentages because um, mm -hmm. to be honest it, it's even hard to really know exactly what you know what I'm making because I could tell you you know I can do the numbers and show what I brought in but then you know are we going off of that are we going after 
business expenses and then, you know, what I consider my business expenses and what goes on the business expenses and the taxes are a little bit different because, you know, there are things that I can write off like, um, it's not a lot of money, but, you know, things like mileage and home business and, you know, some of the costs of internet access and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, things that, you know, I may not really calculate in my head when I'm thinking about like how much am I really making? Um, and then we also have deductions for other things. So I don't even, you know, when we're talking about percentage, you have to, it's based on, you know, what line item on your income are you going off of? Mm-hmm. And so we really don't base too much off of percentages. Um, so I am technically an employee of my own business. Um, so I do have a 401k and so our approach is to maximize what I'm able to invest in the 401k. Um, so I believe this year it's $19,000, I think, um, that I can do as employee contributions. Um, so I do, I do the maximum amount there and then um, at the end of the year when my taxes are done, my accountant tells me, you know, if, if we're able to contribute to other things, whether it's, um, I can do an employer match for the 401k based on, you know, the amount of money that I made in the year. Um, or if we're eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA or something, we will. Um, so we try to, uh, try to do as much as we're able to. It just depends on my income level. But the main thing is my 401k contributions. And that's something that I'm able to make regardless of, you know, of the profit of my business is as an employee, I'm able to make those 401k contributions. Oh, that's awesome. Now, what would be your biggest tip for somebody that has inconsistent income like that, you know, cause I know that it's, it's hard to manage. It's hard to know when it's even going to come in. And sometimes people don't pay you when they're supposed to pay you and things like that. So what would be like your top advice for somebody that is dealing with that? I think the biggest thing for me and my wife has been, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, has been, you know, trying to establish a consistent level of living and not living up to your income in the good times and, and, you know, forcing yourself to live, you know, like you're living below the poverty level, you know, when your income is down. Um, so, you know, trying to just stay somewhere in the middle and then, you know, at that point, if you know that your, your budget or your expenses are going to be say, for example, $5,000 a month, then you know, that's how much you need to make. And you might not make that every month, but, um, you know, if you can average that, then you should be okay. So I think the biggest, the biggest thing is just, you know, trying to be consistent because I think a lot of people with the, the tendency or the temptation with an inconsistent income is, is when you have a good month, then you go out and spend more. Um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, overall, if you look at the course of a year, your living expenses are going to be higher because it's obviously it's easier to spend more than it is to decrease your expenses on those months where your income might not be as good. So I think it's just, you know, trying to be consistent and basically almost like trying to ignore the fact that you have an inconsistent income. Like we don't really, we don't really think that much about, you know, about my income or or what it is because we, you know, we know what, what our living expenses are. And yeah, there are things that we could cut out if we absolutely had to, but for the most part, we just, try to live a comfortable life. And, um, I try to make enough to get to that point. 
Great. Now I know the whole, your interview is about, you know, your income and inconsistent income, but I do want to touch on, cause I'm sure somebody's thinking, Oh, he makes money blogging. Like, how can I do that too? And you've made a lot of money blogging. So I do want to touch on that real quickly. Like, do you have any tips for somebody that is listening now and they're like, Oh, well, I want to start a blog. Like, how do I make money from that? Just like any, you know, beginner tips, like getting started with making money from a blog, because I will tell you that it is, at least for me, it was way harder than I thought. Like everybody makes it sound so easy and quick and stuff like that. And you can make a lot of money. Obviously you have, but what, what advice would you have for somebody that's listening now and thinking, Oh, I want to do that. Yeah. I think that one of the biggest things is, and you kind of just mentioned it is that it takes time. And I think a lot of people, when it comes to online business, they tend to think that things are going to happen quickly or easily. Mm-hmm. And that's really not the case. And, um, you know, especially with a blog, when you're starting from scratch, you have no audience, you have no Google traffic, you know, people are searching for stuff. They're not finding your website. Um, you probably have no social media presence if you're a new blogger. So you really have no traffic coming to you. So, you know, it takes time to build all that stuff up. Um, so my advice is to take a long-term approach. I think, um, if you're expecting something quick, you're setting yourself up for failure Mm -hmm. and the percentage of bloggers that quit in the first year is very high, um, because I think most people expect to start a blog and they expect that, you know, three months, six months from now, they're going to, you know, have this big audience and, um, you know, people are just going to be coming to their site and they're going to be making money. But early on, you really have to hustle to get people to your site. You know, you have to try to get exposure any way you can, whether it's Pinterest or using Facebook groups or, you know, writing articles for other blogs or, um, you know, you're kind of piggybacking on someone else's audience. Um, And over time, you know, if you do those things, your search traffic from Google will pick up. And um, if you stick with it, you know, you can have a lot of success, but I think most people are looking for something quicker and they don't really have realistic expectations. And then, you know, some disappointment sets in because things don't happen quite as quickly as you expect. And so even if you're doing well compared to, you know, the normal trajectory for a blogger, you may still be disappointed because it's not quite what you thought it was going to be. And um, I think most people or a lot of people wind up giving up too quickly because, they had some expectations that probably weren't realistic to begin with. So I think the biggest thing is just having a long-term focus and, you know, not looking at it, not looking at it as some, as a way to make money quickly, because if you're looking for a way to make money quickly, blogging is not a good option. Um, You really have to be willing to put in six months to a year of work without seeing a whole lot of payoff. Um, But if you're willing to do that, you know, you, you can really, benefit from it down the road because once you have, once you have that foundation built up, you know, it becomes a lot easier in the future. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head on that one. It does. Oh, it takes time. And I will mention that once you start, like, if you decide to like start checking it out and you join blogging groups, all this stuff, you will start seeing ads after ads, after ads, like on Facebook and it, and I think that sets up an unrealistic expectation as well, because the ads are how I made a full-time income in six months and all this stuff. And so you think you can do it too, but it does take a lot more, (laughs) more time than you think. But like in your situation, once you kind of figure out 
the basics of how to do stuff. Like, you know, for you, I'm sure that your second blog grew way faster than your first one. Cause you already like had that knowledge and kind of knew what to do. So, you know, just keep that in mind. Like if you're starting from absolute zero, it's going to take some time to learn what you need to learn and time to build up, you know, search traffic, like you mentioned and social media and all that stuff. So Yes, it takes so much more time when you are just starting at zero than the ads and the promotional stuff makes you want to believe. (laughs) It's definitely worth the time if it's, you know, if it's something that you want to do. I think a lot of people get started because they have, um, you know, they think it's going to be something different Mm -hmm. than what it really is. So, you know, if it's, if you're looking to build something long-term and you're looking to to put in the work, it's definitely, you know, a great business opportunity, but you know, like we both said, if you're looking to make money quickly, it's not, it's not really the best option. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Now I do always ask everyone at the end, what is your favorite book? Cause as we know to be successful and grow, um, finances and in your personal life that most people read like a book a month. So, you know, a nonfiction book. Um, do you have one that you would recommend? Um, I do. I'm actually way below the average. <laughs> definitely don't read <laughs> anywhere too, close lucky. to a book a month. <laughs> yeah. um, I read a lot of articles online because I'm on the computer all day, but I really have never been a big book reader. But I would say um, the book that's had the biggest impact on my life and that I would consider my favorite is something that's probably not going to be relevant to everybody that's listening to this. Um, it's called the hole in our gospel. It's written from a Christian perspective and it's basically, um, basically just took taking a look at what God expects of us as, as Christians. And, um, it, it's not really a financial book, but there's a lot of financial related topics in there. It was written by a guy named Richard Stearns, who was the president of world vision, which is a large humanitarian organization. And so he tells a lot of stories about his travels around the world. And it basically talks about, you know, it's a reminder of how privileged we are financially and um, basically looks at, you know, what we should be doing to help other people who are not as privileged. Oh, I haven't heard that one. I'm going to have to add it to my list. I've got a long list from all these podcasts and not enough time to read with three kids. (laughs) So yeah, I'm definitely not on the one book a month, uh, but I'm trying, you know, I've got my long list to catch up on. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you spending your time with us today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you so much to Mark for being with us today. And he does have a free blogging course that you can check out at vitaldollar.com slash blog dash launch dash breakthrough so that you can start building a successful side business or, you know, maybe even a full time business um, at home to help support your family. And you can also get your free debt bundle so that you can pay off your debt to make it easier to stay at home with your kids at budgetsmadeeasy.com slash debt dash bundle. And I will talk to you guys next week.